Welcome to Calavista Conversations. If you're responsible for delivering software on time and on budget, or at least wish someone were, then this podcast might be for you. Some two-thirds of software projects don't deliver as promised. If you want to be in the successful minority, if you believe that you studied computer science and not computer arts, then join us as we talk about best practices and how people have tuned their development processes for success. And maybe we'll take a look at some total failures and try to understand how they went wrong. And hopefully we can all avoid falling into that basket of the two-thirds majority. So welcome. And now here's your host, Sloan Foster. Well, thank you for joining Calavista Conversations today. We're happy to have the CEO and founder of Cybernance in the studio with us today, CEO Mike Schultz. Mike has spent over 40 years in technology, software, and cybersecurity experience managing complex projects and sales programs for Fortune 100 clients. He's widely recognized for his extensive and in-depth knowledge of all things cyber, security, risk management, and compliance. He's the founder and chief executive officer of Cybernance, an industry leader in cybersecurity risk governance. Mike's been responsible for security of massive database programs such as the airline and the TSA terrorist tracking program and insurance fraud. He's a frequent guest speaker at the University of Texas Macomb School of Business and serves on the Cybernance Board of Directors. Hi, Mike. Welcome to Calavista Conversations. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. So, Mike, tell me, what problem are you solving at Cybernance and what value are you providing to your customers? Cyber risk is is uh, is becoming better known all the time. It is now one of the three uh, greatest risks to uh, to an enterprise, according to the National Association of Corporate Directors. Uh, the financial risk is massive, as most people know. Uh, the reputational risk is even greater, and so our business is based on solving cyber risk from a governance standpoint. Uh, lots and lots of businesses and billions of dollars have been invested in the creation of perimeter defenses uh, for uh, for cyber protection. And what we've done is created the internal defenses, the people, policy, and processes part of that governance. That sounds really great. And you've done that through a technology format, through the platform. Yes. yes. What we've done is essentially uh, automate in software the, the process to analyze and assess a company's maturity and resilience to the NIST CSF standard. That's the National Institute of Science and Technology's cybersecurity framework, which only shows why they call it the NIST CSF instead <laughs> of spelling out the whole name. And how many other platforms are NIST certified? Well, uh, it's a it's a fair question, but it can't be answered directly. So let me just say that NIST doesn't certify any platforms or any or anybody's organization. Uh, we did, however, uh, submit our platform and our, our technology and the company to analysis by the Department of Homeland Security Safety Act Office. And the Safety Act Office uh, brings forward uh, congressionally uh, uh, passed laws relative to the limitation of liability of companies in the event of a terrorist or cyber attack on a business. And, and we are the only software that brings the NIST platform into the marketplace that is approved and vetted by DHS. And further than that, uh, they provide liability limitations for our customers up to and potentially including 100% immunity from third-party liability. Which is really big in the market right now. You've heard about all the breaches, obviously. I should say you. I know you have. I have, and everyone listening has as well. So I'm assuming that's how you identified this need in the market, was seeing the crazy headlines about all the breaches? Well, it was actually before that. Uh, we became intrigued by this uh, 
uh, by this opportunity. Uh, I had, had, uh, had been the CEO of a company called InfoGlide Software a number of years ago, and we sold that company to uh, FICO, Fair Isaac. And during the period of, uh, of non-compete, I began looking at the marketplace and, and the business and thinking through the what's next piece. And it was at about that time that I read a, uh, a quote from a speech given by uh, the, the uh, head of the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, uh, Louis Aguilar, who said in a speech that, in the opinion of the SEC, members of boards of directors could and should be held personally liable in the event of a, a cyber breach. And I'd never heard um, uh, any government official say that before, and it really intrigued me. We began looking at it, and and we clearly now are in a position where lawsuits now are being brought against the management and, and the officers and directors of companies with names like Yahoo and, Equ- and Equifax and et cetera. Uh, the liability for uh, for individuals personally is is massive. In the Equifax breach alone, it could it could be into the billions. That would be with a B billions of dollars of personal liability. Uh, truly, um, very disheartening to think about, but also exciting that there's now a solution out there to perhaps solve that problem in the marketplace. We think so, yes, and we're excited to be doing it. Um, uh, I I personally have. Um, Precious little sympathy for companies who don't do the right thing with my personal identity. I've been breached so many times that that I can't hardly count them. I was breached by the federal government in the Office of Personal Management breach. I've been breached by the IRS. I've been breached by the FDIC. I've been breached by Equifax. I've been breached by Experian. So, you know, maybe, maybe the right thing to do is to hold people's feet to the fire if they don't do the right thing. And, of course, what we're trying to do is help people do the right thing. That's, that's really great. And so how long, once you solidified that idea that there was a need in the marketplace, did it take you to go from idea to execution? Well, the, f- the first part of the, uh, the first phase uh, of the process was the, to define uh, the problem in more detail and begin to define what we thought the overall solution might be. It took about six months. Uh, at that point, we then uh, made a decision to, to outsource the development. And, and let me just say, for me, this is the first time I've ever done that. I've run lots of software companies, and I've never outsourced development before. I always thought that was part of my crown jewels. And so going through this process, I had to get comfortable with the fact that that made sense. Uh, and we looked at several companies. Uh, we settled on Calavista. Uh, and the Calavista process uh, from beginning to uh, minimally viable product was about six months. Very fast. Was, I was more than a little bit shocked. <laughs> Pleasantly so. Yes. <laughs> and it worked. And as you said, it's one of the first or the first NIST certified platform that's out there. That's so right. it was a unique field, if you will, green field that you had to grow into and trust your 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 technology partner to do that. That's exactly right. And at the end of the day, it was a very good experience. Good. Um, how long have your customers been using your solution? We've been in the marketplace uh, with uh, paying customers for just a bit over a year. And how large are your customers well, uh, they are as small as uh, the Center for Child Protection here in, in uh, Texas and as big as um, Northwestern University, Boy Scouts of America. Um, we have 11 critical infrastructure uh, energy uh, delivery companies that are uh, processed through our relationship with the Department of Energy. So they're, 
they're very, very big and some that are not so big. You know, the, the center has probably 80 employees and, and, and we're working on projects that have something in the range of 100,000 employees. And so ultimately, what is your goal? Mass domination, world domination with this product or what are you, what's your plan for the next few years? Well, I, I'm, uh, I've been at this for a long time. I'm a, uh, this is my sixth time to be a CEO of a technology company. So, um, congratulations, I, <laughs> I guess, I, I think <laughs> we think, <laughs> I think you'd think I'd learn, but maybe not. Um, so I'm not, uh, it's not about world domination and it's not about becoming rich. It's about building a business that makes sense, contributes to, uh, to the business community. Uh, we're creating a, a great place for our, our employees and our partners to work and be engaged. And I know that sounds sort of a little bit too philosophical, but that's actually the truth. That's what we're trying to get done. That's probably uh, what you learn after as many times of being CEO of what's really important, right? Do the right thing. <laughs> and the right thing will happen. <laughs> yeah, and the rest of it will take care of itself. Uh, and, and we believe very strongly that that the, the cyber risk to our economy and our country uh, is really, really substantial. And if we can do something to help with that in a meaningful way, that all by itself is a good thing. Sure. And if we do those things, everything else will take care of itself. That's great. Do you have any idea of how many risks you've prevented so far with this with your platform? Are don't, you able to articulate? Don't that? know. I wish we could. Okay. Um, you know, if you think about the uh, uh, about the level of of breach activity and the and the rate at which it is increasing, um, we could extrapolate all kinds of crazy numbers, none of which I could justify. But sure, uh, if if you consider the the growth of uh, of cyber breaches. And the number of, uh, of events that are now logged, folks uh, that keep track, uh, IBM, Ponymon Institute, and those, uh, we're in the thousands and thousands of breaches a year now, and, and it's getting worse. And it's just growing. They find a way in, it seems like. Yes. So you said that you've been in the market for a year and all your clients have been using... Just over a year, yeah. Great. Um so you've seen quite a bit in your 40 years, as you said several times as CEO. What ultimately made you decide to outsource the software? And times when you haven't before, what was that decision factor for you? Uh, well, there were there were a whole set of criteria that, that we thought through as we were making the decision. The first is to to determine whether we want to stand up a development organization, hire people, uh, and all of the bits and pieces that go along with that. Our our application was relatively straightforward, and we didn't necessarily need to hire. Uh, people with with great expertise in a very specific area. Uh, we we were going to be involved in more general sorts of applications, with some need of uh, of some specialty uh, uh, capability in the area of uh, user interfaces, as an example. Uh, in the uh, also in the area of database design and, and database management. And so, rather than building a a large and expensive organization, it made sense for us to outsource the development to get to uh, what we call a minimally viable product. That's a product that we could sell to somebody for money, uh, which is different than giving it to them. Right. Important it, when yes, you're a company. Yes. <laughs> sell it to somebody for money and uh, and actually stand behind the product. Uh, and so as we move forward, uh, uh, the, the leadership at Calavista was known to some of my partners, and, and we spent some time 
but not just with Calavista, but with several other businesses, several other competing companies, and concluded that the expertise that was nested within Calavista, and the uh, and this is going to sound a little bit silly, uh, but their approach to the business was such that that I I've got very comfortable with how they work, and if you ever go visit Calavista, there's this crazy little uh, uh, tagline that they have. It says no drama, and uh, and you know it's. Yeah, right. No drama. And you keep going. But the fact of the matter is software development is chock full of drama. And anything that starts off by saying we're going to try to minimize drama, that's probably good. Drama is things like surprises, bugs, uh, um, slipped events and and, uh, schedules. Uh, All of those things create drama. And so for me, um, spending time uh, with with Lawrence uh, and and then thinking about the no drama piece and and the level of expertise that they had on staff, it made it easier for me to make that decision. I got very comfortable. Yeah, it is. um, It's interesting how many things have drama in it when you're starting a company. And as many things as you can minimize that drama with, the better off to get your idea and product to market faster. Let the people do what they do well and, and keep that drama out. So as cybersecurity, you mentioned there's thousands of breaches a year. It's an evolving problem slash industry. And there's a lot of quote unquote solutions coming out on a consistent basis. How do does Cybernance maintain the lead in this continuously changing environment? Several ways. Uh, clearly, it's a it's an ongoing challenge that isn't going to change. The, the interesting thing is that we approach the business from, uh, uh, from a little different uh, vector that most businesses involved in in protecting um, organizations from cyber threats are focused on the external threats, the perimeter defenses, and and that's about building the walls higher and the and the moat deeper. And and as it turns out, north of uh, uh, north of two thirds of all breaches over the last couple of years have not been external threats, but have been failures of the internal defenses, and that's where we focused. So we focused on the the uh, application of the NIST CSF standards internally, and that's uh, that's about managing the people activities, the policies and processes within the company, and that has the single most significant effect on protection from breaches. So first and foremost, the vast majority of the investment in cyber protection has been externally, and so we have less competitive uh, uh, threats to us in the space that we've chosen to be in. The second is that the, the application of the standards um, has, has given us a, a substantial leg up because it isn't uh, Mike Schultz and his band of merry men uh, saying that this is the right thing to do. This is a standard that was created, um, funded by the federal government, but quite wisely created uh, with the input and constant involvement of thousands of of uh, contributors from uh, from government and industry and academia, and and it's a constantly evolving standard as as risks become better understood or appear on the scene, and so we're able to continue to evolve with the standards so that that we are rock solid on what we're standing on. This is not an opinion; these are the standards, and this is uh, has become the gold standard for uh, uh, for. Uh, for cyber governance, and and so that's us. The other piece is um, we have a continual relationship with our partners, Calavista, of course, uh, being the, the lead of those, where we're involved in constant uh, improvement, continuous improvement cycles. 
And so we're able to continue to adapt the software and the application to the marketplaces that changes, and, and we continue to do that. As an example, uh, the, the NIST organization and other organizations who have specific standards around uh, industry or technical needs, like uh, healthcare information uh, that's governed by the HIPAA standards for cyber, uh, uh, through, uh, through the team at Calavista, we developed uh, crosswalks between NIST and, and Health and Human Services so that we can automate the HIPAA standard within the standard that we already have. We've done that also with uh, a standard around uh, financial institutions called FFIEC, but we're also in the process of adding uh, uh, additional standards to the, to the basic platform that are including the New York Department of Financial Services standards, uh, the International Standards Organization, ISO 27001, uh, and et cetera. So we're able to very quickly respond and react to the marketplace uh, as, as additional standards and, a, and additional crosswalks occur. So we're always at the, at the very edge of what's available. That is uh, actually quite impressive that you're meeting all of those different standards and those different market segments kind of through NIST and through those partnerships. So- well, it's, a, it's a fascinating challenge. Uh, back to the question you asked me earlier, um, why did I elect to outsource versus uh, build a development team internally? As, as we move rapidly to face competitive, uh, com- competitive threats and to make sure that that we are always at the forefront, the, the ability to access a large organization with multiple capabilities and, and, um, uh, and teams al- allows us to, to have a, a Chinese menu. You know, with three, you get egg roll, and we can get, we can get user interface people, we can get database people, we can get, we can get additional testing people that, that begins to to match our need as we're developing product and moving into the marketplace. So it's, it's a key part of our success is the ability to be able to depend upon our partners to help us stay at the forefront. Keeps you nimble. Sure does. And we know that's the critical to business success in this day and age, right? That's right. Adapt or die, I think they say. Is that right? Yeah, I, I say it because uh, I'm a lot older. I say things like, don't pour concrete. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a saying for everything, right? So as a serial entrepreneur uh, and seasoned one, I'm sure you have experiences that others may benefit from. What is your number one lesson you would want another founder to hear if they were thinking about doing something in the market, a market? Well, you'll hear people talk about cash, cash management and cash in your hand as being really important. And, and I would suggest that they're wrong. It's not really important. It's way more important than that. Uh, so be careful about building large organizations. Be careful about investing in things that don't bring you immediate results. The, the marketplace is so tuned to providing specialty uh, uh, services and specialty capabilities that you don't need to build a big organization today. You know, it's as simple as uh, I can time slice my car by using Uber. So do I, need to, do I need to buy a car? Do I only need to use Uber to get to where I want to get to? And the same thing is true in office space, uh, in compute capability, and it even comes down to, to software development. I time slice software development by not building a big organization, but instead buying the services that I need at the time that I need them. And it helps me manage cash. And so I'd say that the number one, the number one issue for me is figure out how to get your job done on, a, on the minimum dollars that it's going to take to get there 
then just manage that cash really, really hard. Great. Well, that is a, a good uh, a motto, right, time, right action at the right time, right? And that helps with that. That and the first guy who suggests that you put your name on the building outside, fire him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a good one, too. So um, kind of wrapping up, if a, a company wanted to use Cybernance, how would they find you? What, how would they engage with you? What does that process look like? We, uh, uh, we provide our capabilities both on a direct basis and through uh, reseller partners. Uh, um, if, and we're back to today's world and, and, and only spending money on things that you should spend money on. We're really easy to find. If you just type cyber governance into uh, to any search engine, you'll find us. Um, we're, we're relatively well known uh, in, in that part of the world. Um, you, you also can find us through our partners, and, and, um, and obviously our, our website is readily available. And that's www.cybernance.com? Precisely. Okay, great. Um, anything else you'd like to add today about Cybernance and the wonderful things you guys are doing? It's a, it's a great run. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here now um, after having our, uh, our first birthday some time ago. Our first birthday in in um, installing our, our our platform in customers, and and we're a SaaS business, and so we work on annual renewals. Um, and this will give you a sense of the quality of the offering that we've presented. and And kudos to my dear friends at, at Calavista. Uh, we have a hundred percent renewal rate. Uh, Congratulations! That's thank awesome. You. Thank you. It's <laughs> huge. Now, now I I need to be. I need to be doing business with more people, but that obviously never changes. But I don't know uh, uh, if I would have believed a year and a half ago that I'd be sitting here today saying that 100% of our customers have renewed. Uh, And that's a pretty big statement about the quality of what we're doing. That's a huge statement. I mean, churn rate is is a part of every SaaS conversation that I'm I'm in, especially uh, coaching startups. So congratulations to the one-year birthday and to the 100% renewal rate, both of those are very uh, big successes, and we need to celebrate successes, big or small. So congratulations. Right. Thank you. And um, thank you very much for your time today. And if you need more information about Cybernance, again, www.cybernance.com. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Calavista Software. We write cost-effective quality code for other people, delivering on time and on budget over 90% of the time. That's all we do, and we've been doing it for over 15 years. If you have software needs, we'd love to talk with you. Be sure to follow us at at Calavista on Twitter or check out our website at calavista.com. That's C-A-L-A-Vista.com. Software development without the drama. Thank you for listening.